Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado. I'm a fellow Air Force veteran who, after 20 years of active duty, struggled with transition after leaving service. The Sisters in Service podcast is a platform to include all women veterans, organizations, military spouses, and Blue Star Gold Star families in talking about the trials and triumphs we face while in service and after service. I want to take a moment to thank all of you who have taken the time to listen and follow me on my journey. My podcast is every Tuesday, and I hope you will tune in. Until then, please be safe, take care of each other, and until next time. Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Service. I am your host, Kat Corchado, and my guest today is Rose McFadden. Now, she is a powerhouse in the entrepreneurial area, the 501c3 area. Um, you name it, she's pretty much doing it. She's a busy woman, and I thought it was just fascinating, all the things that she's doing, and I asked her to become a guest, and she said yes. So hi, Rose. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm good. Now, I understand that you are an Army veteran, and I always ask my veterans this question. Did you pick the Army, or did the Army pick you? I would say I picked the Army. Was it a conscious choice or did you just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo? <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I actually just walked into the army door, you know, the Marine Corps door was wide open too, but it just was second in line. Wow. Now I understand that you are the first female in your immediate family or maybe in your family in general to go into the military. So how did your mom and dad feel about that? Uh, my dad was in the Marine Corps and so it wasn't something they necessarily thought, uh, any of their children, uh, would enter into, you know, much less their daughter. Um, I, was in college uh, at the time, and I was finishing my first semester, and I just decided school is not for me right now. Like maybe in the future, but not right now. It's not for me. I always had interest in the military growing up, and I, you know, I, I went in to ask some questions uh, about what the lifestyle would be like, the expectations, and I, you know, I committed right away, and I. Um, was scheduled to leave for basic training two weeks after semester ended. I called my parents up and I let them know. And the next morning, they must have traveled a eight or nine hour drive. And they were knocking at my dorm room. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they had it in their mind to change my mind. And I had to let them know that um, I, I fully committed dad. I fully committed. And he's like, but you have to go through this process. I said, yes, dad, I did go through the whole process. I leave for basic training in two weeks. And um, to be honest, just like anyone else that uh, if you're very young, you know, you're 17 and a half, you're getting ready to turn 18. That is your first adult decision, uh, you know, to or your first big job yes. that could take you across the world. And um, they were sad, but they also were excited at the same time that they they raised uh, a, a young a young girl that is now an adult and uh, made her first decision. And they were very supportive uh, ever since. That's a big adult decision. 
I think. Now, you said your dad was a Marine. Was was he one of those scary Marine dads, you know, where you feel like you had to sit up when he walked by? <laughs> oh, yes. You know, and, and to this day, you know, you arch your back up just a little more. You know, you, yes, sir, no, ma'am uh, type thing. And it, I don't know, you know, if it's just something about the Marines, his voice is very deep. Very, you know, he enunciated his words very clearly. Uh, if you get the wrong pitch, you know, you turn around very slowly. <laughs> he, he was, yes, he was that, he was that dad. Wow. Now you come from a long line of veterans and all the way back, I, is it World War II? Yes. So yes, give us a little background all, on your lineage. So I am Navajo. I am full Navajo. I am from Window Rock, Arizona, which is the heart of the Navajo Nation. And um, I grew up on the uh, reservation or what I like to refer as Navajo land. And um, all of our family uh, members, all of the guys, you know, they they either volunteered uh, to join the military or they were involuntarily, uh, they were involuntary. So, um, with all of them, they lived up into their nineties, all of them, and they served in every war. Um, they got injured, they came home, they, uh, did what they needed to do for their families and, you know, during those times, uh, they, you would, you would, you would go, you would come home, spend a period of time with family and you were right back to work and right back out there. So, uh, they do, they do have, uh, multiple, uh, injuries that they sustained throughout all the different deployments that they were on. And, uh, they're all purple heart recipients as well. Um, multiple actually, um, but, you know, they're just strong men. They're just warriors. Uh, this, uh, the warrior spirit in them was not anything different than what our people have endured uh, over time and how we fought to defend our families and our people and our lands. And then, you know, we're serving a country on that same capacity. So, um, you know, it just... I think it, I think it is a, a natural, a natural thing for uh, the family that I come from in the way that we view things. Now you said that a, a lot of your family who served were Purple Heart recipients, but so were you. So how did that feel to know that not only were you the first female in your family to serve, but you're also the first female in your family to be a Purple Heart recipient? You know, I can't say that I really think about that very much. Uh, what I do view uh, having a purple heart as is being blessed because I came home alive. You know, you sustain some injuries, but you're, you're alive. Uh, some of our friends, they didn't come home. They died there. And so, you know, for us, and just like my grandfather's, um, a lot of the conversations I used to have with them growing up about their service when they would sometimes 
dust off their uniform. They would share a little bit of their um, about what happened to them uh, because it, you know, it it obviously was very traumatic every time they got injured and how many of their their friends uh, that that passed and didn't come home. But um, you know, for me, I just felt very um, very blessed to be alive. Although you sustain injuries, you're in and out of the hospital. Um, you're still able to uh, find a new purpose and live your life. So for me, I just think it's um, it's not just an honor to be alive, but we also uh, share that honor and continue our service uh, in other on other capacities. Absolutely. You know, I was I was born into the military, into the Air Force, and my dad was one that went to Vietnam, but when he came back, he never really talked about it. And so I was interested in knowing because so many people in your family had served, if you guys kind of I won't say compare notes, but did you know, did your grandfathers ever talk about it? So I'm sure they mentioned stuff here and there, but never really got into detail about it, right? No, they, they never got into detail about it. Um, you know, to be honest, like one of my grandfathers, I was extremely close to, and, uh, we, we would talk about it because I, uh, I had came back from my first deployment and he was the only person I wanted to talk to. And I took him to dinner and I just told him, I was like, uh, Che, so Che means, uh, your father, your, your mother's father in Navajo. And I had asked him, I said, Hey, like, did this happen? Did this happen? I want to know what I'm feeling. Uh, you know, can you, can you pray for me? And I felt like, uh, as I was telling him what my experience was at from the first deployment, um, the second deployment, the, uh, the first time you get shot at the first time you get attacked, just that initial feeling that you have. I did talk with him about turning switches on and off. Uh, he, he did understand that. Um, for all the, all the people listening, uh, what that means is you do have a flight or fight uh, natural instinct. And a lot of times for us through training, especially if you're in a combat zone, you do have to turn off your emotions so that you can operate because if you can't do that, you are a liability and you could be the cause of hurting your battle buddy to the left, the right in front of you or behind you. And so, you know, I asked him, like, how, how do we how do you turn that off? And uh, he just said, you have to wait until you until you finish. If you want to do this for the rest of your life, then you're going to have to work like that. But if you do want to uh, finish and have a family and be a mother, uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when you get to it. Well, from one veteran to another, I never had to deploy, although I, I did support Desert Storm while I was in. Um, you know, thank you for wearing the uniform because I know that many people actually did deploy and I didn't. Um, it doesn't diminish my service, but I actually understand, you know, the sacrifice that, that happened. And so you come back home, you, do you make the decision to get out of the military at that point? 
Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, I, I was injured my second deployment. And um, although I had plans to stay in the military and really make a career out of it, uh, for that purpose, I felt that it really matched my personality at the time. And uh, just the type of person I was and the way that I carried myself and I enjoyed traveling and, you know, wearing a uniform, the day to day routine training. Um, I actually really gravitated toward that. But um, through injury, uh, I had a traumatic brain injury, a cervical spine injury. Um, I couldn't walk. I uh, actually... When I did get injured, the amount of impact it had on uh, my head and my body, I um, I experienced a retrograde amnesia uh, once I once I was uh, awake, and um, it was such a I would say like I'm not sure if the word traumatizing is is a good enough uh, word. It was more of a an outside body experience because I woke up, I didn't know where I was at. I didn't know who I was. They asked me what my name was. And I started, you know, I got a little emotional because I couldn't answer the question. And um, I realized how weird of an injury all of that was in that, in that moment. And um, it wasn't until later, uh, I would say about uh, two and a half or three weeks later when I transferred into different hospitals that, you know, you meet other people that were likely injured in the same location or in nearby bases. And um, uh, in, in Iraq, that's where I was at uh, in downtown Baghdad. So I met other, other individuals that had like some uh, similar injuries in the the traumatic brain injury unit, because <laughs> there was a lot of us there. And uh, they also woke up that way. You know, we we did have a lot of the same uh, injuries and symptoms. And um, it just it just was a very, very interesting experience looking back at at, at that having had happened uh, in 2004. You know, that's a really long time ago. Um, but it doesn't feel that long for me because every time I go through an episode, um, which I just came out of a very ugly, bad back episode, I didn't end up in the hospital this time, but, um, a month and a half ago, it just, you know, you're reminded again, why you have these injuries and, and, and everything. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a constant reminder, but because of my faith. And my husband, we talk about it, we pray about it, and um, we thank God that we're alive, we're here, we get to have our daughter, our little crazy toddler driving us <laughs> crazy, you know, running around, and how would we not have this if we weren't, if God didn't bring us back home? Absolutely. You know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, what if, what if my life had gone in this direction? You know, people always ask me, you know, when I look back, do you regret, do you have any regrets or would you choose to be something different? And I said, no, because everything that I've done has gotten me to this point. And so yeah. I'm starting to really like who I am as a person. 
And so that's a lot of, you got to work on yourself, you know, not only, you know, your body, your mind, but, you know, just knowing that you get to a point where you, you're like, you know what, I'm okay the way I am. And, and it's okay. How long did it take you to feel normal again? Gosh, you know, um, I think the word normal is, it's a, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard standard to live by. You know, if you ever get injured and for anybody out there, you know, your injury doesn't necessarily have to come from military service. It could be a car accident. It could be a motorcycle accident. It could be, you know, somebody hits you on the road. It really could be anything, but it's definitely life altering. Um, and we do step into what is not necessarily our new normal, but just reality, just, uh, just how our lives were going to happen. And God only knows he does give us some opportunities. He does give us the right people, the right doctors, the right medical team. And I feel like, um, just, just, just feeling like that and being reminded of that by my parents, uh, they were extremely helpful. Um, they were very patient with me when I feel like they shouldn't have been patient with me. Um, I had experienced so much uh, distress uh, in terms of, um, I would say, in, in terms of complete frustration, uh, accepting that you have a, uh, a disability physically that would keep you from doing a lot of the things that you mentally thought you could do. I did appreciate that I still remain very strong mentally and that you could still um, you could still make some goals for yourself uh, that weren't based off your disability. Um, and just having parent, my parents, my family reminding me that, you know, take your time. Uh, you don't have to make goals right away. Um, we are not going to tell you what to do, but your your health is the most important. Um, we'll take you to all your doctor appointments. We won't ask you about them unless you want to share. I just feel like coming from a military family, it's almost, uh, it's almost as if they did know how to handle it. Um, so I really actually appreciated that a lot. Yeah, that's a, you know, to have that support in your corner, I think was important to you, mm-hmm. but I think it was important to them too, you know, to, to be that, that's that sense of support for you, but still letting you, allowing you to walk that walk, knowing that they're, they were there if, if you needed them. So when you come out of the military, what was that transition like for you? Or was it a transition for you? It's really sad because it wasn't really a transition. And and maybe other people can attest to this because life doesn't stop back at home, right? Life still is happening for your mom, your dad, your family, your friends. Um, and you still leave your situation and you bring uh, any kind of uh, things that are from your situation. In my case, it was a lot of injury. And um, I went back home and, uh, you know, my parents were in the middle of moving. 
they moved from one location. They were uh, starting a new position, a new job. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I started working and I worked at a hospital um, and I didn't start school right away. And I, um, I spent a whole year with my mom, getting to know her, her getting to know me. She took me to all my doctor appointments. We had fun. Um, and I think it might have been about a year, uh, a year of doing that spending time with family and my mom and my sister and her son, they were in a car accident and oh, she goodness. died instantly. Oh my goodness. And so, I'm so sorry. Thank you. And you step into a different kind of situation where that same thing that we talked about before of turning switches on and off, I immediately found myself in that position of turning the switch off of emotions because you do have to in turn and you know in in cases like that or any other ones you still have to take a leadership position yes you know regardless absolutely. of 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 your wh- whatever you're going through you still as a daughter especially if it's for your you know your parent you have to um you know you have to be there for for everybody yes and um Although I may have been like the most physical weakest at the time of in and out of appointments, mentally stronger. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And and you know, I don't think I would have been able to be be that person for my family and carry my family. Um, My sister and her son they had uh, multiple injuries themselves, and you know, taking them to and from doctor's appointments, planning a funeral being there for my dad, um, and my mom's family, you know, it just, it it was very, um, I can see the, the nature of the training in the military. Mm -hmm. They help you at least in this sense, set up for what you expect and how to handle death as it happens. You know, whether you're a first responder or anything of that nature. Um, and in that moment, I actually was a first responder um, in that in that accident. So I did see my mom and I did know that she was no longer alive. I just, you know, I think that if I stayed in the military um, and I didn't get injured, I wouldn't have got to spend that time with my mom. True. Because we don't, we don't, we don't know you know, what God's plan is for any one of us. But uh, the timing was perfect. The time I got to spend with her was perfect. I carry it, you know, up until this age. And I get to teach my daughter about uh, my mom. So in that perspective, the transition shifted um, to a different type of purpose. And um, I just continue. That's when I, I did start school. That's the, that at that point I started school and I worked full time and, you know, did everything I could for my family for the next few years. You know, I find that the military is like, I agree with you in helping you assess a situation and react accordingly. And as a single parent in the military, and I I had a, a son who was accident prone, like, you could not imagine. 
And he would come in and his leg would be bleeding. And I'm just, and inside I'm going, holy crap. And on the outside, I'm like, okay, let's go take care of this. So I'm one of those people that in an, in an emergency situation, I'm great. And then I'll go in the room and cry. <laughs> Yes. I'm one of those people. (laughs) I don't go in the room, but I do get in my car and I leave and I drive and um, I cry. And I don't cry in front of people, but, you know, when I, I I do, I do cry and have to uh, take my time away and be in prayer and pull myself together. And, you know, you come back to the same situation, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you 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 make a good decision of like on the drive home. I'm like, okay, Whew. right? Okay, here we go. Clear the air. Here we go. Yeah. Yes. Let's let's mm-hmm. let's do this again until you know two weeks later when you know your 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 head's underwater and you do it again. Um, I found that I found that healthy uh, for me as far as uh, the drives. I found the beach during that time and came to San Diego a lot. Uh, I live in San Diego now, and this is one of the reasons why I'm here. I had a lot of healing on these beaches, just alone and uh, really just thinking about life, purpose, uh, what God really had uh, in front of me. And here we are. We live here. We serve here. We serve the city here on different capacities, and um, it really comes full circle. When did you decide to become an entrepreneur? Because you've got several businesses. Um, you've got the Peter Hunt Recruiting with your husband. You have your Isabella Rose Design, which is jewelry. And then you have your 501c3, We Love San Diego. So how did they all come together? Or was it you did one and then the, there was an opportunity to do something else? And did it just, was it kind of a flow? Did you know that this I, was all happening at the same time? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And just like anyone, you, you know, you do start something and then God gives you gives you a little push and says, okay. You've got that experience and now you're going to be ready for this and you step right into it and it, it, it doesn't feel like you're taking on a lot, but right. at the, in, in the, in the scheme of things, if you're sharing what you do with people, you start making the list and you're like, oh, I, you know, when do I sleep? That's a good question. <laughs> when do Who I sleeps? sleep? Who needs sleep? <laughs> yeah, you know. And so, uh, no, in 2015, my husband at that time, he uh, had been a recruiter for about 12 years. And just in that recruiting, uh, the recruiting world, a lot of people decide if they're going to stay with that firm or if they're going to launch out and do something on their own. Um, back then, I was working with uh, housing homeless veterans here in San Diego, and I had finished my master's in business. Uh, I have a master's in business with an emphasis in healthcare uh, management because I wanted to be a CEO and run a hospital. And, you know, I really, really wanted to do that. Um, and it just happened where you, uh, you know, with your spouse, you guys dream together, you make goals. And this was one of his goals. And uh, I said, let's do it. It started with just one with just him. I was not a recruiter. Um, He really tried to teach me. And I said, No, (laughs) I am not called to do this. Uh, I cannot do this. 
And, um, you know, and I, I'm glad I'm like that too, because you stay in your lane and, and, and you do what you're uh, most capable of doing. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So we started that in 2015. Um, right now we're very, uh, I would say we're very successful. Um, we have incredible employees, uh, we're nationwide and it's grown to a point where, I don't have to do um, as much as I used to. And it, that's that also that allows you to do other things like, you know, the jewelry company. Um, I just started designing in 2020. Um, I'm a crafter at heart. I'm an artist at heart. I've done uh, so many different things. Uh, weaving, silversmith. You know, any anything art related. That's that's kind of just our culture. And um, I really, really just fell in love with polymer clay. Uh, a lot of the uh, precious metals, natural stonework, uh, mixed media jewelry, and um, I felt like even this during this time, as I start experiencing more of. Uh, back injury episodes, major headaches that are all always, uh, you know, I'm going to live with um, experiencing more of those episodes. Um, this has actually been extremely therapeutic uh, for me during this season. Um, I've partnered with other friends that are veterans uh, and we get to work together and do business together. Um I grew out my team, so I have photographers and models uh, here in San Diego and in Houston, and um, we have our designs and collections just across the country at different brick-and-mortar companies. I get to be a designer for Polymer Clay TV, which is the whole, um, which is the the, the main, uh, I would say, like, the, the main source of how to make these kind of uh, pieces of jewelry. So I just see God's hand over even that, you know, uh, I, I would say a lot of uh, designers in that field, it would take them uh, likely longer uh, if you would, you know, be invited to be on a design team or have a teaching platform with a, you know, a, a place like polymer clay TV where you get to, teach and pour into other people's businesses and their skill sets. So you just have all kinds of things happening. I love it. And I also love the fact that your daughter actually helps you with your designs, right? Or maybe the making of the jewelry or something. She gets into everything. You know, she is going to be three years old. Um, (laughs) I've started teaching her how to do things with her hands. Um, I let her pick colors. I let her pick some components and then I show her how to put it together. Um, the shop is named Isabella Rose and that is after my daughter. Um, I think it's always, it, it's important that, you know, we give, we give our, our kids the tools that they need to succeed. Absolutely. Um, and we also give them a good expectation, nothing that is uh, too far above their head, but definitely within their reach. And, um, I want her to use her hands. You know, don't be afraid to be creative. Don't be afraid to step out. And if you want to start a business, girl, you better start that business. You know, mommy will be your first uh, investment. Um, 
So that's the it, best it, way it, to do it. When kids see their parents doing it, then they're more inclined to think, wow, maybe not the same business. Maybe it is the same business, but to get them thinking along that entrepreneurial path rather than just, you know, I'm not going to say W2 is bad. I'm not going to say that, but you know, if you're not a W2 kind of person, and I'm I'm not sure I ever was, although I don't know how I did 20 years in the service. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other story. So my question is, do you think that military veterans are better suited, not better suited, that they have those tools that to get them through that entrepreneurship where they have that you know, they stick to something and they make sure that they learn what they need to learn to, to get it off the ground. Do you think that they're more apt to be entrepreneurs or do you think it just depends on the person? I think it's both. I think that if there was anything that they were lacking in the entrepreneurial skill set, that they should have learned that in the military. You know, the discipline, the chain of command, the actual structure for how a business works you know, strategy, um, why we do things, uh, having a mission and sticking to it until um, it's complete, or the life cycle of products, you know, in the military, we're using products. And of course, like, you know, we use some really old vehicles and keep it for a long time. <laughs> yes. And you just keep seeing those things over and over and over. But you do you do learn a lot of um, important concepts about the, the, the materials that we use in the military, um, taking care of it, the maintenance of it, uh, the longevity that you can have with your product use. And so... Um, I think every single veteran, they have uh, the perfect opportunity to start a business. You know, a lot of times it just takes inspiration. You have to pay attention to it. Um, you also need to put down some bad habits as well. You know, we pick those bad habits up along the way. And those things are always going to interfere with uh, your potential and even starting a business. Um, there are so many resources out there right now, too, to help veterans start a business. Um, so you don't have to necessarily go out and get a big loan. Right. Um, but you can get people that want to partner with you and want to pour into your startup. So I think every single veteran is a, a really good position to uh, start a business. Absolutely. And I'm all for you guys. <laughs> yeah, we're all in your corner. I think one of the smartest things that I've heard, which I I wish that I had start done this myself, but while they're still active duty, they're 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 being an entrepreneur. So that when they yes. get out, their business is already off the ground. It's not like I have to start over again. So I'm kind yes. of mad at myself that I didn't think about that, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So from all your businesses, everything you're, that you're doing, and also being a mom, you are also the vice president of the Native American Women Warriors? Yes, yes, I am. I actually started with them in 2015 as well. Mm -hmm. What is their mission? Um, our mission is to make sure that um, all of our Native American sisters, whether they're veterans or active duty, get the recognition that they deserve. Um, we are such a very small population uh, in the military, especially active right now. 
and uh, just having served over time. Um, and we just want to make sure that all of our women not only have a sisterhood or camaraderie group, but we're able to connect on our same cultural level. You know, we're all related. We're all sisters, uh, regardless of what tribes we come from or what branch that we served in. I feel blessed again, you know, it goes back to coming home and, um, coming home alive, a little messed up, uh, a little limp, a little, you know, little here and there, you got some issues, some flaws, some extra flaws you came home with. Um, but you know, I'm in their corner. They, they were there with me. Um, some friends right now, I'm helping them with their business startups. I love doing their website design, their graphics, like anything that they need when I have time, you know, I'm not and, sure when and that advice is, though. and all the good stuff. <laughs> I make, I do make time for some of those things, mm-hmm. uh, on purpose because, um, they need it. We yeah. went to war. We went to war together. They literally had my back and it might be, uh, you know, many years later, but this is still their dream. I remember having conversations with them in the tent when it was like 115 degrees in the morning and we're just trying to, you know, get by and have some conversation. Um, Anything that would make us not feel like, okay, it's 115 now. It's supposed to be 125. Mm. Like, let's try to talk about something different. And it's, these are some of the conversations we had, what we're going to do when we get home. Oh yeah. Those, Mm -hmm. those are some good conversations. One last question for you. What is the percentage of native American women who are serving versus those who are veteran? Um, I believe that right now the active duty, I believe it's like 2%. Mm. Um, I, I believe that's what it is. I know overall with uh, all the women in the military right now, I believe that is either between 16 and 17% around there. Um, we do, we, you know, we, a lot of our women are in the military. Um, and as far as the, uh, the veterans right now, I wish we could find each other more. I wish we could have a platform where, you know, we're able to have realistic data of who accessed their benefits, um, who hasn't, so that there's actually a real target for who we're going to go out and help. Um, too many of too many of Native American sisters right now, um, they served and, 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 you know, they just, they, they could, for a lot of reasons, not be doing very well. Um, perhaps like they moved to a different location or there was an opportunity there or anything like that. They didn't have a support system. Um, I do feel like extremely, extremely blessed with the family that I had and the kind of support I had. Had I been in a different position, I might uh, be experiencing homelessness right now. Um, so I never take, um, anything that I have for granted right now, because I do have friends that I served with that do experience homelessness. So, you know, we, we never know what could happen to us. And, uh, that is one of our goals with the organization and, uh, really just for me and all the work I do here for veterans anyway, by myself is to make sure that 
you know, we come along a veteran, even if we just help one, we help right. one veteran, we've done our job and we've continued our service. I, I believe that no one should be homeless, but it's especially veterans. Veterans should not be homeless. And I'm just going to leave mm-hmm. it at that. Uh, yeah. Rose, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today. Where can people find you if they want to be a part of your 501c3 We Love San Diego or they want to buy your jewelry? Where can we find your jewelry? So you can find our jewelry. If you want to follow us, you can find us on Instagram at IsabellaRose.co. And for We Love San Diego, if you're in this area out here, we serve um, in the areas of hunger and we push out about 50,000 pounds of food, um, uh, around 35, 40,000 uh, diapers into the communities for families that need it, especially during this post-COVID time. Uh, a lot of families are absolutely in need and we want to be there to serve them. You can partner with, with us or you can volunteer. Either way, connect with us. Yeah. You're doing so much, Rose, and it's all of it is so needed. And I just want to say, even though we both wore the uniform, thank you for wearing the uniform and, and going through what you did. And for all my sisters in service, please stay safe. Take care of each other until next time. And it's never too late to start your impossible.